Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Second Kings 6 verse 1, it says this, The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole. That's a log or some trees. And let us build a place there for us to meet. And Elisha said, go. Then one of them, the prophets, said to Elisha, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down the trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. Has anyone ever borrowed something and you wish you'd not borrowed it when it breaks? And it seems like every time you ever do borrow something, it always breaks. I never borrow anything anymore. Please don't give me anything. He said, he cried out, it was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? That's Elisha. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there. And made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. And then the man reached out his hand and took it. A very short story. You've probably seen your Bible. It's uh, sometimes entitled the Axed Floats or the Borrowed Axed. But this story I just want us to focus on today. Because I believe it's going to speak into some people's hearts. And right where you're at today in your walk with God. These group of prophets who were with Elisha, effectively were saying to Elisha at this time, they were saying, this place where we're at, this place where we're meeting, is too small. It's too small for us. And they were looking across the valleys and looking at the Jordan River and all these trees by the the Jordan River. And they were saying, there's something greater that we can see. There's something bigger and better that we can see It's not actually built yet, but it's there. And we can see down there if we look at something greater than the confinements that we're in. They saw the potential for something greater. But then, as you know, as they go down, he says, they invite Elisha to come along and they start to build this bigger place. And as you know in the story, as one of them starts to chop down the tree to start building, the axe head flies off its handle and lands into the Jordan River and sinks. Right in the middle of this work, they see this great opportunity. They see this great plan to expand. They see this great plan to have something bigger than the confinements that they're in. Right in the middle of the work, unfortunately, you would never thought this would have happened when they're trying to do the plans of God, that their tool breaks. And the axe head comes off the handle. As you know then in the story, one of the prophets, who he's holding this, just a stick in his hand, he cries out to Elisha and he says to him, Oh my Lord! It was borrowed and he cries for help to the man of God, to the leader in that group. And then Elisha comes along and he looks at the river and he he says, where did it fall? And he throws a piece of wood. He says he cut a stick from the tree and he throws it into the Jordan River. And I don't know about you, but this is sounds like a pretty cool thing. But this axe head, this iron heavy axe head begins to float back to the top of the water. When Elisha commands it to. And he says to the man, take it, pick it up. 
What an amazing story. I don't know if you ever find yourself in a situation like this, but sometimes we can, where we think we have seen some great promises over our lives. God spoke to us about plans. We look at, we look across in the past and we said, I can see the great things I can do for God. I can see all these great, this great future. It's down in the valley. It needs to be built. It needs some work. It's not just going to come overnight. And sometimes we're right in the middle and we go into this walk. We, we set off on a journey towards this place. Sometimes we're right in the middle of doing the work. We're right in the middle of trying to fulfill what we believe are the plans that God has shown us in our spirits. But all of a sudden, out of the blue, why is it that the axe head breaks off? And you think you've got the tools to do the job. You think that you've got the ability to fulfill this great dream that God had for you. The prophecies that you've received that said you're going to do this. And in your spirit you saw it. But then you get down there and halfway through the work the axe head flies off and you've got nothing. Something's happened and you lose something. I don't know if you know the song. Blessed be your name. We've sung it many times. It's an old song. It says this, verse 1. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful. We love these words, don't we? Where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Do we like verse 2? Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. That song was written because it shows truth. It shows truth. Have you noticed that the verse doesn't start with, when I walk through the wilderness. It starts with, blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful. We go through the verses and then all of a sudden, verse 2, it seems to get worse. Then it gets better again. When the sun's shining down on me. And the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. And then we go back to the next verse. Gone again. The accent comes off. And you find yourself going from one thing to the next. What's happening, Lord? Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful in all the good things I can see that you promised me in this Christian walk. But why is it, Lord, in verse 2, that I walk through the wilderness? Why is it that I'm doing this work for you, but then something is lost out of my life? The chorus goes on to say, you give and you take away. Let me remind you today, the Lord gives and takes away. Some people join Christianity because they think it's give, give, give. But it's give and take away. I don't know why God does it. I don't know why this happens, why sometimes we lose things. But it happens. The title of my message today is Lost Property Recovery. Lost Property Recovery. Maybe you today feel like you were running the race. You thought, I, 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 I saw, I was in a confinement area, but I managed to see a potential. I managed to see these trees down by the river. I managed to see something greater. And you thought, I'm going to set off on my journey and I'm going to do it. Maybe you're halfway through that work of cutting down the trees, building. And right now you find yourself that you've got no axe head. It's gone. And you're questioning, why have I lost something? Why has this gone from me? Why do I feel like this? I don't know if you've ever read. It takes a long time, but if you read, read it in your own time. The book of Job. And in the book of Job, 42 chapters of a guy who seems to go through the worst situation in his life. He loses everything. At the beginning of that story, he says the enemy comes to test him. And the Lord allows this to happen. And Job is tested. And he goes through 42 chapters of his friends advising him of why these things are happening to him. And do you know what? They're all good, wise responses. 
But right at the end, right at the end of that chapter, he sees that God gives him back what's been taken away. In Job 1.21 it says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. That's where that song's from. Because Job understood that naked he came into this world. The moment you were born, the moment you appeared in this world, that very second that you can't remember, you came with nothing. Do you know what? Just to have life today and to breathe the next breath after my sentence is enough for you. And sometimes we feel so bad when something's robbed of us and taken away. But do you know that the very breath you have is the greatest gift you'll ever have on this earth? Job understood that. What do we do when we've lost something and it's hindered our focus? Many of us lost different things. And you've lost your focus. You don't know where to look anymore. You can't see any vision or big plan. You can't see anything great in the next season. You're too busy looking at your issues and your problems. But we can learn from this. We can learn from this story of Elisha and what they did as a response to that. Just only the other week, and we were setting up last week for the conference, and Esby came to me and she said, they were running around and she, everyone was frantic, and she came up to me and she said, Phil, Do I need to make a sign for lost property? She said, do I need to make this sign and put it? I'm going, yeah, yeah, do it. She said, because people are losing things already. We'd only just started. People were arriving. We had 160 people coming into this room. And people were losing things. I don't know about you, but I lose a lot of things. Emma is always watching me. I lose my bank card. And don't try following me. But I lose my bank card all the time. And I don't know whether to ring the bank and cancel it, whether I'm going to find it or what. But I'm a nightmare. We lose things. Sometimes we lose things that are very dear to us. Close to us. That rock our world. When she made that sign and she said, I'm going to make this sign, I thought, what a good idea. She says, then people will know where to look. I said, yeah, do it. I never thought of that one when we were planning the event. That people would lose things. And some of you today, you don't know where to look anymore to find what you've lost or to understand why some things are taken away. First point today I want us to look at is to this, for us to regain our motivation. Regain your motivation. The company of prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole. That is some trees to build. And a place, to build a place there for us to meet. The beginning of this story is that the prophets in their confinement of when they said it's too small for us, we're restricted. We feel restricted in this confinement. They saw in their spirits something greater than their circumstance. They saw something to travel to and to take, occupy some more land to build something greater. I don't know about you today, but you might be finding yourself in this place at the moment where you're not looking in your spirit at what God can give you. You look at the confinements of your physical position. They didn't settle for, I'm just going to stay here and it's just confined and small. They said, look, over there, I could see something greater. They were saying, this place is not big enough for us. I'm not going to let confinement, I'm not going to let these things that are around us confine us to have what God wants for us. You can look at what you don't have. And accept that status quo. The way it is. I'm just going to stay where I am. I'm not going to bother looking. I've had enough prophecies. I've had enough words over me. I'm sick of this. I'm just going to sit here. And I'm going to accept the small. I'm going to accept where I am. 
But I believe for every single person, there is something greater. There is something for you to look to. And the promises that have been spoken of your life, God is reminding you right now in your spirits of the things he said over your life. Seeing the potential, seeing the trees down by the Jordan wasn't enough. Looking down at the Jordan and seeing the trees and the distance it is to get there is not enough. They had to get all their things and walk there. They had a journey to make to get to this place. And for some of us today, there's a journey for you to get to this place of promise. We see all the way through the Old Testament that they journeyed through. There was a journey to get to the fulfillment of the promise. And let me tell you, between their observation of what they could see that was great for them, there was a journey. They had to carry their tools. And when they got there, they had to build. To get the fulfillment of what God wants for you and he has for you. He needs you to step out of your confinement. Don't lose your potential. Don't lose that motivation. They carried on going. They said, we want something greater. We're not staying here. We know what God wants for us. And it's bigger. And we're going to go for it. They spotted that wood. They spotted the poles, it said. They looked down. They saw the wood. This fine wood for building. They saw all these trees. I don't know if you know the... There's a saying in this country, you can't see the wood for the trees. And some of us today, we're looking at the trees. You can't even see there's a potential anymore for building. You cannot see the wood for the trees. You cannot see that there's opportunity right in front of you for something greater. Don't lose sight of your potential. Ephesians 1, 18. In the message, it should come up here. I want to look at what Paul says to the Ephesians. He says, I ask, he prays, he says, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. Let me read that again. I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. Paul prayed that they would see and be intelligent and discerning to see with clarity and focus what God had for them to do. And some of us today need to probably clean our glasses. Some of us need to look again at what God has in store for us. Because I'll tell you what, the enemy wants you to have dirty glasses. He doesn't want you to see that potential. He wants you to sit in confinement. Because he's happy where you are there. Because when you're there, you're not doing anything for God. He's got you right where he wants you. But I want to encourage you today. To step out from that position to do as Paul prayed for his people in the Ephesian church. That their eyes would be focused and clear to see what God's calling them to do. God wants us to start chopping down the trees. He wants us to get down there like these prophets and start chopping at the trees. And start building something of our future for what he has promised us. When Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. Before he went to the cross, he asked that the cup would be taken from him. He was about to do something, the most amazing thing we will ever know. To to surrender his life for us. And he was praying in Gethsemane. And he was asking that this cup could be potentially taken from him. And right at that moment, he could have sat in that garden. He could have stayed there in that. Garden of self-pity and said, Lord, I don't want to do this, but no, 
For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He pursued the cross for us. He was in the garden of Gethsemane. He was in that place where the enemy come to whisper in his ear saying, stay where you are. Stay for comfort. Don't go there. It's hard work. If you do this, you're going to pay a price. Is it worth it? And Jesus, as he was in Gethsemane, I believe that as he prayed there in Gethsemane, and he asked that this cup may be taken from him, I believe right before the flash of his eyes, he saw every single person that he could save. When Abraham saw the stars, and God promised him that descendants would come as numerous as the stars that he could see, and he couldn't count them. Jesus was there, right there saying to himself, if I do this, it will produce something far greater. It will produce God's promise over his people. And he chose to walk out of this garden of self-pity to walk to the cross. Amen. Paul said in Hebrews 12, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He not only went to the cross from this garden of self-pity, but he went from a garden to a throne, to the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know about you today, but I want to pursue, and sometimes it's hard work, and it's difficult, and there's a journey involved. He had to endure the cross to fulfill the plans of God. The prophets with Elisha knew that if they went on this journey, they would fulfill this goal for God. Number two today is I believe that we need to restore our faith. Restore our faith. In 2 Kings 6 it says, They went to the Jordan and began to cut down the trees. And when the axe head fell into the water, he cried out, Oh no, my Lord. Some of us today, we're in that situation, we're halfway through building. You're in this camp and you're saying, I'm building, I'm doing it, Lord. I went, I responded to your promise. I responded to what was in my spirit that said there was something greater. And I'm halfway through building. But why is it, Lord, that axe head has just flown off and I have lost something so dear to me and I cannot move on or function? I don't know if that's you. I don't know if that's you today. That you have not just lost your potential, your motivation, but you have lost something that you are working with. Something that was close to you. Something that you needed. Something that you relied upon to move forward. This can be many things. We can lose people. We can lose in grief. Lose loved ones. We lose jobs. We lose lots of things. And we say, why Lord? I'm halfway through this. I'm doing your work. But why is it that the accent is, is lost? And I know many people today, including myself, could put their hand up to knowing that that point in their life when the accent has come off. And they're saying, but Lord, this was part of your plan. Why is it that we're not seeing you help us? And our faith is totally rocked. I don't know about you, but when these things happen to me, my faith is rocked. It just feels like I've been hit by a bus. Because I can easily look at my Christianity as though I'm never going to get any issues like this. Whilever I'm doing the work of God, it's all going to be good. And we question. And we said, Lord, why is this happening? Blessed be your name. When I walk through the desert place. I was singing, Lord, that 
Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me. And I love that week, Lord, and it was a brilliant week. But Lord, what's going on? You see, we're so good at singing the song. But when it comes to live out the verse, we can't understand it. I sometimes think that we should scrap some of the songs we sing. And I don't mean that in a way that they've wrote a bad song. They've wrote an amazing song. But sometimes we need to sing what we believe, not sing because it sounds nice. So many of us are so good at singing the latest song because it sounds nice. And we like to sing, blessed be your name, when I'm found in the desert place. But boy, oh boy, when you're in the desert place, you don't even feel like praying, never mind singing. You don't feel like getting up and reading your Bible because you're trying to battle what you're dealing with. God looks at the heart of a worshipper, not his mouth, what he sings or she sings. What do we do when our faith is rocked? When these things come and we lose something so dear? I want you to remember the story of Joseph and his brothers. Genesis 37 verse 19. He says, his brothers say when they see Joseph coming over the hill, just like in the theater, over with his coat of many colors, they say, here comes the dreamer, the one who's got the view, the one who's got the potential, the one who sees in his spirit of something great. Here he comes, look, over the hill. Verse 20, his own brothers, come now, let's kill him. And throw him into one of these cisterns. And say that a ferocious animal has devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams, they say. The enemy comes to seek, kill and destroy. Jesus has come to give life and life abundantly. And some of you today are like Joseph. Something, you were walking across that hill with your coat of many colors, singing your song. I I don't know the song. I've never even seen it at theater. But you're coming over the hill all happy. The dreamer, the one who's who's got this potential to see motivation and what you can have because God's shown you in your spirit. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, some of the closest people to you do something to you and you cannot understand it because you thought you were walking in the plans of God and boof! You find yourself in a cistern. And from seeing dreams of great things ahead, from seeing your spirit far ahead of what God's plans are and promises for you, the next minute you can't see your hand in front of your face because it's that dark. And you say, why? I'm sure Joseph would have been in this dark well saying, why? A minute ago I was coming over the hill singing the songs. Knowing the dreams you've shown me, Lord. Knowing the things you promised. Now I'm in a well. And I don't even know where I am. I don't even know if I'm going to get out of here. Every direction. They looked. He looked. Couldn't see anything. The prophet was working hard with his axe. His borrowed axe. And he suddenly loses this tool. The very tool that he needed to build. To cut down this tree. What's important is that our faith is secure. And when it comes and rocks your faith, when you lose things like this axe head, when you've lost something in your life that you feel like you can't move on, and you feel like you're in the system, what's important is that your faith is secure. Some of you need to look in the lost property today and restore your faith and find your faith. Restore your faith in Jesus. Restore it. Someone wrote this, a quote, and it says, The faith that can't be shaken is the faith that has been shaken. The faith that can't be shaken is the faith that has been shaken. That's not my words. That's someone else's quote. But that's true. If it can't be shaken, it's already been shaken. Because believe it or not, 
every one of us at some point when we're all going along in this happy time is going to lose something like the hack said and we're going to be questioning and asking our brothers and just like Job did saying I don't know why this is happening and people are trying to give you all the answers to why and you've got no idea no one seems to know but God does he knows why and I don't know why Elisha loses this axe head because he's passionate he's doing everything right why is it he loses it The faith that can't be shaken is the one that's already been shaken. I want you to turn with me to James chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, hear it, produces perseverance. No one told you these things, did they, when you were going to become a Christian? That you're going to have to learn to persevere. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. You thought you'd lost something. You thought you'd lost something dear to you. But when these trials come and tests come, it produces perseverance that will build in you a maturity and you will lack nothing. You might lack materialistic things. You might lack the things of the desires of your heart, the fleshly things, but you will lack nothing in the spirit. I'd rather be like that than looking at things of all the things I don't have. Because when the Lord gives and takes away, He will never take away. He will never take away that assurity that you are His. And He is with us Always to the end. Testing will produce perseverance and maturity. If you notice in this story that he borrows the axe, he uses someone else's tool. And some of us today, some of us today are using someone else's that I think we're sometimes kind of, we've been wandering along and using someone else's anointing to try and walk our Christian walk. We're using someone else's tool. And sometimes God takes it away from us. Sometimes God removes it from us to show us that actually you've got where you've got. Not because of your own persistence. Because you've been riding on someone else's ride. And you need to ride on your own ride. I don't know about you, but when you do borrow something from someone, you don't, you never really know how to use it the same. Someone once lent me a, some carpet cleaner. No one's ever going to lend me anything after this again. And I had no idea and I could have sat and read the instructions, but I never really understood how to use it the same. And I told them afterwards, I said, I had some problems with it. And they said, you just do this, this and this. You see, when we try to do things and we're running on someone else's anointing, we're running and relying on someone else and not God, you'll find that inexperience will cause you to be immature. It will do the very opposite. Inexperience, I've put, breeds immaturity. Inexperience breeds immaturity. You're not mature with what you've got. But when you've built it yourself, you become mature, just as James said. And it will produce a spiritual maturity in your heart. And finally... Number three is to recover what's lost. Recover what's lost. The final part of this story, it brings a hope, doesn't it, to us all? We, you might say, I'm finding myself, I'm in, I'm in the first bit, or I'm in the second bit, I'm I'm halfway through, Lord, and I don't know why I've lost this thing, but, but the final point is this, to recover what's lost. 
God showed up big time. Because when Elisha is invited to try and help at the river Jordan, and this prophet comes to him and says, I need you to help. I've just been doing this work and halfway through it, and I don't know why this has happened, but I'm coming to you because it's fallen off in the water. I, I, I kind of can see where I think it fell. I think I know where it fell, but it's just there. And Elisha comes and he throws a piece of wood. How many of you know that a piece of wood's not going to do anything in a river? A stick isn't going to do a thing in a river. If your friend loses something in a river tomorrow and you throw a stick in, it's not going to bring it back. But there was a combination of faith from the prophet and Elisha and the power of Almighty God that comes into this story and restores and brings back this accent right to the top of the water. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a fairy tale to some, but to me, it's normal because it's our God who does the impossible. He does the impossible. And He can recover what you've lost in some way. It comes to the surface. You've got this prophet looking at some murky, dirty water in the Jordan River. Thinking, I can't remember, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you ever do drop something, I've dropped rings before in the sea and you're trying to feel for it and trying to remember where it landed. And you think, I know it was there, but you're just trying to feel. Then it's going deeper into the sand. And then someone says, do you, you, you look at someone and say, it dropped here. And then by, when, by the time you look back, you've got no idea where it went. And he was like that, I believe. Elisha said, where did it fall? I don't think he really knew where it fell. I think by this time when he was crying out to Elisha, he'd lost the plot. He was looking thinking, I've got no idea. Thanks thanks to Elisha coming along and believing in God and throwing this stick onto the water in faith. A miracle occurs. That's a miracle. Iron doesn't float, friends. Iron does not float. Right before their eyes, looking at this murky water, they see this axe appear at the surface. And it comes back to them. And he says, grab it. Take it. I don't know what they must have thought that day when that happened. But it must have replenished them. It must have said to them, wow. Even when God takes away, even when things come, if we run back to God, if we run and ask Him, and not look at the water and the murky water trying to find it and not concentrating on God, you'll get nothing. But the first thing they did is take their eyes off that and say, we need help. And Elisha sees this miracle happen. God has the power to recover what you've lost. He has the power to restore and recover that which was lost. That you've lost in your life. Some things are resting on the riverbed for you today. And you can't remember. You're so distraught. You're so upset. And you just don't know where to look anymore. And you don't know how you're going to get some of these things. In fact, it's not just one. There's more than one. But I'm encouraging you today to turn to God. To say to God again, to not look at the murky water trying to find how to get this back. But to look to God and say, God, I cannot do this. And I need a miracle in my life for you to restore and give me back that which was taken away. That which I've lost. And that could be many things for you today. There's many things today that are coming into your minds right now that you've lost. I also want to balance this by saying that sometimes, and I said it earlier, God takes things away and He doesn't always give us back the same. You're saying, ah, well thank you. Thank you, Phil. 
I know that it's, it's just a certainty that you're going to bring back that which was taken away. I believe sometimes that God will take things away just like he did with Job. He took away from Job. Job was tested, remember. You read it for yourself. He took away from Job. And Job couldn't understand why because this was a a man who followed after God. But right at the end of chapter 42, right at the end of when he's gone through all these trials and suffering, saying, why have you taken my family? He took His children are gone. All his belongings are gone. He had nothing. This is a man of God. You don't sing songs in church about Job. This is a man of God who lost everything. But he stayed righteous before God. He couldn't understand why these things have been taken from him when he worked hard for God. But right at the end of chapter 42... In verse 12 it says, The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. Did you hear that? He says, The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former. In other words, he got more. He got something different. And to balance this out today, some of us will lose things. But God, if you believe in Him and ask for Him to do a miracle in your life to restore something, He'll replace it with something far greater. He might not give you back what you think you should have. The, the, the axe head might not float up straight away. In fact, it might be a different axe head in a different place. So that's floating to the surface and you think, wow, I'm glad I trusted you, God. And I believe that the Lord is speaking to someone here today because you lost things and you don't know whether you're going to get it back. But you need to trust God. I can't tell you what you will have and what you won't have. That's not my place. But all I can tell you is this. Look at this story and look at what happened when he lost it. Right in the midst of doing God's work. What's important is that we trust our God. Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean Not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't even lean on my understanding sometimes because look at Job's friends. But turn to God. Turn to the one who knows everything. He knows your riverbed. He knows that murky, clay, muddy riverbed that you've lost things in, that you are fumbling around trying to find things again. He knows it. And He will bring to the surface that which He wants for you to have. Only if you trust in Him that a miracle will happen for you. Many years ago, just before I, when I was studying in, in college back home, before I went to university in Cambridge, and that wasn't Cambridge University, that's Anglia. I wish I could say, I, I, I just say I studied at Cambridge, it sounds good. <laughs> Sorry for all the Anglia people, but you know, come on, we're just, we're not Cambridge University. Many years ago, I, I was applying for uh, universities and I was supposed to go to Hull. That was the place where I wanted to go. It's very different from Cambridge. It was actually completely opposite direction to where I am. And when I was doing this and I went to get into this university, I really wanted to get this place and I'd done all my work and in college to my graphics portfolio and everything to show when I used to do graphic design and things like that. And when I went for this interview, they, they really liked me and they said, yeah, we think blah, blah, blah. And I found out, and I know this for certain, that it just so happens a friend of mine who I went through college with was studying and he had not been doing a lot of the work near the end. And he used his girlfriend's work from the previous course and actually got into the university where I wanted to go and he got the place. And it was down to the last few for our college and he got it over me. And I couldn't understand why I'd lost it to someone who'd stole their way into this place. 
I couldn't understand why. And I went home that night and I was in tears and I said to my mum and dad, I said, mum, I've seen this guy, he doesn't do anything. And yet he's shown his work and he's got in. Time went on and I didn't know where I was going to go and it just so happened Cambridge University contacted, Anglia contacted and said, our college has said we've got a few places if you want to send some people down. I'd never even considered Cambridge. I'd never even considered even this place at all. And we came down and I got an unconditional offer the same day to come here. When I look back now, I know that when my axe head fell off, when I was looking at my life and I thought, why is this happening? Why has someone robbed me of this position? When I look now, I know that God had a plan. Because I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have met Emma. I wouldn't have my children. But I wouldn't be here today seeing people come to Jesus if it wasn't for that place being robbed. I couldn't understand it. All the odds were against me. Sometimes for you today, you're looking the same thing right now. You're saying, I I don't understand it. Sometimes in the future, you look back and you think, wow, God, I can see it clearly now. I'm going to finish right now, but I believe that this story, just to finish, has something even more profound. It's not just about what you've lost and what you're trying to retrieve. It's not about where you are and what you've lost in your motivation and your faith and trying to retrieve those things back. But I believe this story reflects something that's greater than that and it reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but when I see this story, I see this. That when a miracle occurs, when a piece of wood is thrown onto this murky water to retrieve an old axe head to the surface I see the power of Jesus Christ in his gospel Jesus said this I've come to seek and save the lost I've come to seek and save the lost the greatest lost property on this earth is us Jesus Paved the way to retrieve what was lost. He knew that he'd lost property. This earth was full of people. It had a big sign that said lost property. Jesus knew that if he come and offered his life as a ransom for many, he would retrieve what he'd lost. Let me tell you today, if you think you've lost something, God has lost something as well. He's lost his people. He's lost the ones closest to him, the ones who've abandoned him, the ones who don't want him. And you sometimes can look at all your life and say, I lost this, I lost that. God today in heaven cries over his people because he has lost something himself. And he is looking to retrieve what he's lost by the power of the gospel of Jesus. And I don't know where you're at today. You might have accepted His forgiveness. You might have accepted Jesus as your own personal Savior. Or you may not have. But I want to tell you today, if you haven't, this story has something even greater than my needs. It has the needs of God to reconciliate His people to Him. And He wants to have which that which He lost back to Him. I don't know about you, but I want you to look right now if that's you. If you're saying, yeah, that's me. I don't just feel like I'm looking at a river that's murky. I actually feel like I'm the, I, I am the accent on the surface of the riverbed in murky water. And that murky water is your sin. It's the sin that has just disguised you and you can't be found. There's no one in this world can help you because they can't see how bad and how low you feel. Because when they look and try to find you, they just see murky river. And you're on the base of this riverbed and you're saying, I just want somebody to rescue me. But you know that the laws of gravity will not allow you to come back to the surface. Because the weight of your sin has took you to the bottom. 
And you know that the only thing for you to be rescued from this position of sin, in the place where you've got to, the only thing is if the laws of gravity could be defied, and that you could be brought back from the riverbed to life. Let me tell you this. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He come to fulfill the law. And if anyone's going to defy the laws of gravity, it's our Savior Jesus. Because He will bring you back from the riverbed. He will bring you back from that place where you're laid on today and looking at murky water saying, I can't get up because I can't defy the laws of gravity of my sin. But Jesus says today, I have the power to bring you back to life. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that's something to be pleased about today. Elisha threw the stick on the water. Do you know that stick? When he uses the word, he uses the word. He's saying he's cutting from the tree. And he throws this piece of wood into this murky water. And with the power of God and this piece of wood from the tree... The axe head is brought to life. Let me tell you this. Cursed is the man that's hung upon a tree, says the word of God. Jesus went to the cross of Calvary with the power of God and the cross, the tree. When it comes to your murky sin, he can bring you back to life. Hallelujah. And you today might be saying, I've accepted Jesus, but I've actually found I'm sinking. I'm sinking and I'm at the bottom of this river. Jesus says today to you, I have the power to retrieve you. Because I've come to fulfill the law. And if you need the laws of gravity defying, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Galatians 3. 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who is hung upon a pole. He uses the same word, pole. As we see in the story of Elisha when they said, let's go down to the river to find some poles. Psalm 40 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. And heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock. And gave me a firm place to stand. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.